Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I am your host, Susan, and this is episode 12. Today we are talking all things about writing in a virtual learning world. So writing is one of the hardest things, and I think it's one of the things that most teachers really struggle with because I think there's so much ambiguity among how you can teach, which way to teach writing, and there's so many different levels of writing within a classroom. So it's it's so hard to just focus on what you're going to teach. I, I know there's a lot of teachers on my team that struggle with writing. Writing happens to be one of my favorite things. I'm very literacy-oriented, in case you haven't noticed. I think I have one math blog post, so a little embarrassing, but very much literacy focused. And I've always been that way. As a little girl, I loved sitting and I actually got a typewriter. I can't remember if it was Christmas or birthday. So a Christmas or birthday present when I was in elementary school was a typewriter. And I loved that thing. I actually missed like family movie nights because I wanted to be in my bedroom typing up stories, some of which I still have floating around somewhere in a box today. They're always fun to pull out and reread. But writing and teaching writing, they're very different. So if you're a good writer, sometimes you're not a natural teacher of writing and vice versa. So during this lovely time in our students' lives and in our teaching lives, hopefully we'll never have another year like this school year, but virtual writing or even writing in a hybrid situation can be very tricky. So I just wanted to kind of go through how I'm teaching it and maybe that will help some of you as well or maybe not or maybe I'll just give you validation that what you're doing is beneficial and worthwhile for your students. So my writing consists of, I actually create slides every day. So it it does take a lot of work because I really have to be very thoughtful in my process of exactly what I want to teach. So I backwards plan. So I look at my unit and right now we're doing research writing, um, informational text. And so I look at that, that unit and I say, what do kids need to learn from this unit. And I looked at the standard where they have to use facts and opinions. I think it says opinions. I should have looked that up before I started recording. (laughs) But they do have to know facts. They have to have an introduction. And I think it says conclusion or concluding statement and reasons that support or something like that. Or maybe that I'm confusing things. But anyway, so I looked at all those things that the standard said. And then I kind of looked at some of the grammar standards because a lot of those go hand in hand with writing. And I thought, okay, what is it that I need to teach them in order for them to create a research project? What skills do they have to have for this? And then I kind of broke that down. And then from there, I could figure out my lessons that I wanted to teach. For example, I am teaching note-taking, which is a very, very difficult skill for second graders. But I'm using it as an introduction because it's a skill they're going to need to have in the future. And right now we're working on shared research projects. So I'm not expecting them to look at this crazy amount of text and take notes from it like I would from like a sixth grade student. 
I'm just have, I'm supporting them and we're doing it together within class. So one of my lessons last week was to actually reread a text that we had looked at previously and pull out the important dates. And we went step by step. So I had a little list, bullet point list of things that we needed to find when we were taking notes. And it was things like, so I made like a little digital mini anchor chart, if you will. And it was one of my slides. We talked about you have to have important dates and facts. Those are our facts, right? We're looking for those important dates, names of people or places. And then it was important nouns and verbs. And so we talked about what was an important noun. So in our class, we happen to be focusing on Rosa Parks. It's February, so Black History Month. And so we're doing a shared research project on Rosa Parks, which is what the class had voted for. So I went with the majority. And we looked at, we said, if we are writing notes about Rosa Parks, do I have to keep saying her name because she's the person I'm writing notes on? And we decided, no, we don't need her name. So things like that, like what can we eliminate when we're taking notes? Do we need all these little words, the prepositions and the articles? And we talked about no. And then we thought about, okay, well, what kind of verbs do we need? And we got rid of the linking verbs. So when you break down writing like that, it makes it much easier for kids to digest. So when I'm writing and I'm teaching my writing, I'm focusing on one skill for that day. Now, when kids write, they use a lot of different skills at one time. But when you're teaching them, you're only teaching one focused skill for that day. So I'm not going to throw everything at them, right? Because we're note-taking... I didn't, and that's a really hard skill. I actually broke it down into, I think it's three or four days. And we've done two days so far. The first day was highlighting, finding all the important information. So what is important information? How do we highlight it? The second day was what do we get rid of now that we've highlighted? Okay. And so each day had a different purpose, but the skill is still note-taking. Think of the many steps that you can break something down. What is your end goal? If it's just for them to write a good sentence, what does a good sentence look like? It looks like starting with capitals. So one lesson for one day is just starting with a capital letter. A lesson for the next day is how many words do you need for a sentence? Or when I speak, how do I know where my sentences are? So depending on the age of the kids you're teaching, what I like to do when I'm teaching sentences, and I could talk about writing all day long, (laughs) so I might get off track here a little bit. Just bear with me or hit the fast forward button. So when kids are writing in sentences and they're having trouble figuring out where the sentences end, we tell the sentence across our fingers, and then we count how many words that is. And then on the paper, it's one line for each word. So if I say, I love my family very much, I think that was seven words, right? So each finger would be a word, And then I would write seven lines on my piece of paper to help me remember one word goes on each line. And then I tell my sentence again to myself as I write it. I love my family very much. And so I'm filling that in. And I know, oh, when I stopped, there goes my period. You're teaching them things like that. That's one lesson for one day. And then like the next day, I might move on from counting the words in my sentence and my next day might be, how do I choose the correct punctuation? But when I'm writing my lesson examples, right, because we always have that practice time, 
I'm still reinforcing those making those lines. I am, when I model my writing, I'm using those lines every time now. Once they've learned it and I've introduced it, I am using it again and again in my following lessons, making those lines on my page. This is really helpful if you have a document camera. So no matter how you're teaching, um, either you're on the whiteboard or using a document camera, the kids are seeing that model or the anchor chart writing. Okay, you, you want to make sure that you have a model for them. So if you're teaching writing virtually, I would say the most important things you probably need are a clear goal for what your writing is, where you're headed. So what is your big objective by the end of when you're done with this writing unit? And a writing unit could be a week. It could be a few weeks. Sometimes if it's a holiday, I'll do a four-day mini lesson. And at the end of that mini lesson, they have something um, for it. So for Halloween time, we wrote scary stories. So I did a four-day mini lesson on how to create a scary story, which already tied in really well because we were learning fiction writing. So they always they already had a lot of that background knowledge um, with the fiction writing lessons. And then we just took a little mini break and we did a four-day, let's write some scary stories now. And we talked about having, you know, I... I don't want to say dumbed it down, but I cut a lot out of what would have been in our regular fiction objectives. I cut that down for the Halloween scary stories. And I didn't call them Halloween. I just said scary stories because not everyone wants to do Halloween and scary. So I asked parent permission first. <laughs> they all said it was cool and great idea. And the kids loved it. So we did the scary stories. And it was focusing on like having the beginning, middle, and end and then what happens in the introduction, what happens in the middle, what happens in the end. We really just focused it on those three pieces for the four-day mini lesson. Okay, so moving on, you want to have a very clear idea of where you're going. And you want to have a clear idea of what your class as a whole needs. Okay, So if you cannot do a pre-write with them, so before you ever start a unit, unit, you might say something like, okay, take out a piece of paper. Today I want you to write a nonfiction story all about a tiger. And you're going to tell them if, if your goal by the end of the unit is to have like text features and things like that inside their writing, you might say, I want it to have three facts and some text features. You're, you're not explaining what they are. Because if it's a pre-write, you're really testing the knowledge they have before you start any lessons. And so from there, you can gauge what they need. Do they need more help with figuring out sentences? Do they need help with spacing? Do they need help with organizing their thoughts on a piece of paper? Do they need help with what is a paragraph? So you just kind of look at their writing and decide from there and look at, and if that's hard to do, look at where their strengths are. Say, oh, most of them are getting periods. Okay, great. Okay, oh, they put the capitals where the capitals need to be. Okay, we don't need to teach any of those things. So then you think, what's the next steps? What do they have to do to get, you know, to aim for an A? What, what would the example model piece be? at the end if they were to master everything that you taught them in the next few weeks, right? So that's kind of how I look at writing. 
So virtually, um, what I have for my setup, like I said, is I, I create slides every day. So I have one slide that just says today's goal. So they know what is our focus for today. We're just focusing on one thing. And then I explain it. So the other slides are explaining it. So if it's new vocabulary, I'm introducing that. So like I said, we're writing research uh, reports on biographies. So I explained what is a biography. I explained what is a research report. What is research, right? Those are all different lessons, different days. And now we're on note taking. So what is that focus for that one day on note taking? And then I'm just doing that lesson on note taking. Sometimes what I do is I have my slide and I'm sharing my screen and I share my screen and I overlay my document camera screen. Okay, so I only use one computer and right now I'm home. So I share my screen in Google Meet and then my document camera, when it's plugged in, I can also view the document camera screen. I don't know how to explain that. It comes up like a little movie, right? So I can drag that screen on top of the screen I'm sharing, and I just say, share my entire screen. So they're seeing my slide, but in a corner of my slide, they're seeing this projected document camera screen on top of it. So they're seeing like a two-in-one, right? Hopefully that makes sense. Those of you who are listening in... (laughs) For instance, when I was showing them how to edit and revise with our last um, mini lesson unit, when we finished up, I wanted them to have written a how-to. So I had written my own how-to as we went through with my examples. And at the end, I wanted to revise and edit. So I actually showed them on the document camera, like my slide with my my checklist that said, you know, when you're editing, here's step one. And then I pulled up my document camera and I looked at my piece of paper and I said, okay, this is what step one says. Let's look at my paper. And as we looked at my paper, we talked about it. And I had kids, you know, tell me in the chat or unmute and let me know, do you see any words that I spelled wrong? Do you see anything where I'm missing punctuation? And we just went through the checklist that way. And so that was a very concrete way of having them see What am I doing? How do I read the checklist? How do I look at my paper and decide? And then their job that day was to do the exact same thing. So when we were done with the lesson, they had to use that checklist I gave them in Google Classroom, and they had to pull it up, and they had to look at their paper written copy, and they had to check it. And then I told them they could take a picture of their paper copy and send it to me because I, one of the grades is that they're able to revise and edit with support. So the support is the checklist, right? Because I'm not there physically to help them edit and revise. So to me, with support means the support is the scaffolding of having the checklist. So I actually asked them to take a picture. And I asked their parents to help with the picture so that it's clear enough that I could see the revising and editing. And for the most part, they did a really good job of doing that and being able to turn that in. And then I could physically see what their writing looks like, where they might need help in and where they're struggling a little bit. And, you know, honestly, um, to be expected, they are quite low in writing from what you would imagine they would be for mid-year of second grade. But that's okay because we're kind of giving everyone grace right now because it's been almost a year we've been in this situation. And depending on what happened at the end of the school year, you know, March to May last year, 
not every school did the same thing. Like my school last year required us as soon as that first day hit and we were supposed to be home, we were online with kiddos. My daughter's school, because we were at different schools at that time, her teacher didn't get on with her for like a good month after I had already started doing live lessons. And then her live lessons were like, let's read a story and do a science experiment. And mine was like very academic. So kids missed a lot of instruction, you know, to no fault of their own, but it's just the nature of the beast. We weren't all prepared for a pandemic. So that's what happened. So that that's a really good way if you are teaching virtually um, to still show slides, but also to have that document camera that you can pull up. And then if you're sharing your entire screen at the same time, the kids can kind of see when you're like presenting just the slide and then presenting just the document camera. Or if you need to do the two of them together, maybe you split screen um, and you can do the two together. There is a really cool Google Chrome extension that I use that I think is called Tab Resize. And it makes it very easy to do your split screens, whether it's like a section of four of a section of two. I use that daily as well. And it just, it sizes them for you really quick. And then you can kind of like manipulate them as you need to make one bigger, one smaller. But if you want them even sized, that one works really well and it's very fast and quick and easy. And then the undo button just takes things back to the way they were. So I recommend playing around with that. The other thing is, if you at all have the opportunity, I would suggest sending home some kind of writing help with students. So what I did at the beginning of the year is we gave them writing folders, and inside that writing folder, I put a alphabet chart, and then I had a blends chart and a rhymes chart. So, and then I taught them at the beginning of the year you know, we, for phonics, that was, we were reading those charts and practicing them. And then as um, we started into writing, our lessons in writing were, how do I use my blends chart? How do I use my alphabet chart to find what I need when I'm writing? And that comes back to when I edit. Every time we finish a story that we want to publish and we're editing and revising, I bring up those charts again. And I said, you have these at home. Here's how we use them. So it's always in their mind. And it's just a tool that they have to use. Because think of if you're at in the classroom, you would have those tools for them. So is there a way to get them to them? Even if it's just to put the PDF in Google Classroom or Canvas or whatever you're using and they have access to it, then I would suggest doing that just so that they have those references like they would have at home. I think it's Learning Learning Wonderland. I can't remember her exact name. She has the like cutest, cutest stuff. She has a really nice um, like word wall. I think she calls it a word wall where the kids can click on A through Z. So like, let's say they click on letter A and then it's basically like a spelling like a digital spelling book. It shows you all the words that start with A that might be common for young kids to be spelling. So things like that, that you can provide them digitally, um, that we used to give them like those little foldable paper books, right? Your, here's your little spelling book. When you don't find, when you come to a word you don't know, write it in your book. I actually don't use those anymore. Um, I don't know. 
I I guess it's personal preference. With writing, I tend to really focus on encouraging kids to sound things out. Of course, we want them to learn how to spell them correctly, but at the age that I teach, which is second grade, and um, before that I taught first grade for about seven years, I feel like they need to phonetically learn how to sound things out, and then when they see them in print, then they can go, oh, that's how I spell it. So just encouraging them to phonetically spell first, and then when it comes to revising and editing, that's when we look up the, the, the regular spelling of those words. So like I said, to each their own. It's still a super cute product that you can get through her TPT site. If I remember, I will definitely try to link it in either the show notes or on the podcast website episode page. And if you have any questions, if I didn't cover anything today and you're really curious about it, please let me know. Either I'm dropping a message on the blog post page or tagging me or sending me a DM on Instagram or even emailing me, um, susan at shareteaching.com. I would love to hear your thoughts and ideas, and I would love to record some more episodes on it if you would like, because uh, like I said, I could talk about writing all day long. So hopefully you got some good tips from this episode, and I will see you next time. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes. So we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. so much ambiguity ambiguity am i saying that right <laughs> so um i think i have at the time of this podcast recording so i i don't even know where i want to go with this <laughs>